Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everybody. Happy Friday. Coming in with one of our first or second offseason talks, if you include the one right after the game on Sunday. Uh, offseason Pirates baseball chat. Andrew Destin here, of course with Jason Mackey here with uh, you with your Post-Gazette baseball chat. And as always, we're brought to you by the North Shore Tavern. If you love baseball, you'll love the North Shore Tavern. The interior is wall-to-wall pirates. There's appetizers, entrees, cocktails, and of course, steak and seafood on a sizzling lava stone. Open every day, the North Shore Tavern across from PNC Park is Pittsburgh's home for steak on stone. Well, Jason, as we've kind of wrapped here uh, with the season ending and me kind of transitioning over to Penguins, I was not there on Tuesday for general manager Ben Charrington's kind of State of the Union address, whatever you want to call it, uh, with members of the media Tuesday. You were there. I know there's tons to get into, but uh, let's just kind of go with, you know, general takeaways. Where do you want to start with uh, talking about what Charrington had to talk about, I suppose? Yeah, I thought it was interesting. And it's I don't want to say it's what I expected Ben to say, but it's kind of what I expected Ben to say. Um, you know, I wrote for yesterday, I think it was, or two days ago, uh, for people watching this, the, the general theme was kind of like, we're, we're satisfied. It, it's, we, we feel like there's progress or maybe, you know, happy, but not satisfied might be a better way to say it. Um, you know, there's a lot to look back on 2023 and I think feel good about, and I think the pirates winning 76 games surpassed most people's expectations to do it without O'Neill Cruz, Brubaker, Burroughs, mostly without Velasquez. Um, I think you got some underwhelming performances around the field, um, but you win 76 games. That's not nothing in the scheme of these, this thing. And you go from 62 and hundred to 76 and 86. But I think the theme of what Ben said, and I think what is an interesting conversation topic with the pirates right now is the next 14 games or whatever, you know, the, the 14, it's almost like, you know, losing weight, right? Like the, the beginning pounds come off a lot easier then you get closer to actually being in, in pretty good shape. And so, I mean, that's the way I look at the Pirates, where, great, 14 games, but, like, how are we going to get from 76 wins to 86 wins? Um, 90 might be asking a bit much, but, you know, I, I think you can reasonably look at the Pirates and, say, the Marlins or somebody like that and say, you know what, we're not that far off. The, really, like, A and B are fairly close, but what needs to happen to get from A to B? And that that formed some of the conversation to me that sort of fell underneath the umbrella of the Pirates finding a way to, you know, win 10 more games, 12 more games, 14 more games in 2024. Yeah, it's a lot to unwrap there in terms of how you go about doing that. But I guess my first question would be um, just based on what Charrington was saying, and I guess based on your personal opinions is how exactly does that next step happen? Like where 
how do you go about doing that? Is yeah. that pr primarily from an internal standpoint? Is that what we've kind of discussed on previous sh shows of the external factors of going outside the system? Like what's kind of in your mind and I guess from what you could uh, t garnish or what you could gather rather from Charrington, like what is their opinion on how do you take that next step? Yeah, and this is, th this frustrates me because there's no better way to say it. Like I don't even blame Ben for this. I mean, it has to be everything, right? Like that sounds like a cop out, but it's true. Um, there has to be internal improvement. There has to be external additions. There has to be unique ways of finding players. Um, you know, I'd love to sit here and be talking about the premium free agents that the Pirates were going to sign, and that's just not going to happen, and we all know that, and, and that's okay. Um, but if I look at their team, and Charrington has, has used this analogy before, and I, I kind of steal it. I think it's a good one. Um, of various knobs you can turn, you know, and you think of the Pirates like that, and, and there are a lot of there's a lot of room to turn knobs and improve things. And, you know, I think you can look at their team right now and say they need starting pitching. Charrington talked, shoot, on Tuesday about having 10, that which, great. I mean, I, I wanted to have 10. That's fantastic. But I, they're so far from that. I don't see how they can go into spring training with anything close to that. So, okay, you, you, you start with Oviedo and Keller, and then you add in what? Priester, Ortiz, Rowanzi. I don't know if I'm feeling great about any of that stuff, man. You know, is are we assuming Jared Jones is going to make a lightning fast transition to the major leagues? Like you have to add, right? You just, you have to. And first base, I think you can maybe argue it, it could be a little bit of add, a little bit of internal improvement. I think we saw internal improvement this year to, to hit on the 2023 stuff with like Jack Sawinski, Key Brian Hayes. Great. That's, that's fantastic. And, you know, you add them to Brian Reynolds and some of the variables then like the health of O'Neill Cruz is going to matter a great deal at shortstop. The evolution of Henry Davis or somebody else in right field is going to matter a great deal. You see the question at the bottom of our screen, who's your opening day second baseman in 2024. To me, that's like the, the, the golden goose here. I don't think there's any knob greater, you know, that you can turn in terms of internal improvement. I, I don't know who it is. Um, I'd be curious to see what, what listeners and viewers think who your opening day second baseman is and Andrew I'll kick it back to you on this who's your opening day second baseman in 2024 well so I'll, I'll start with my answer point blank Lee over Pagero okay but I'll also preface with saying talk about the difference 12 months can make because what we were talking about in 2023 in spring training was is it going to be G1 Bay is it going to be right. Rodolfo Castro is it going right. to be Tuca Pita Marcano like this conversation has changed greatly to, to me that it's now, you know, there's obviously other factors there, right? O'Neill Cruz's health is paramount to this because if he's not ready to go at shortstop or if he can only DH or play elsewhere, then maybe that means Piguero has to play short. And then that really opens up the window of opportunity for Nick Gonzalez. But mm -hmm. I'm operating under the belief that, you know, give it six months, Cruz will be good to play short. You're playing yeah. Piguero more often at second and he can play an adequate short, but I, you know, he's better suited to second base. And Nick might be more of your utility guy who's moving around the infield and gets a little bit of time in the outfield too. Uh, but that's just kind of how I see things shaking up. How about you? Yeah, I'm basically there with you. Um, but, but, and I'm grabbing my notebook here because I've been doing a series of stories. I don't know if anybody has read these. If you haven't, checked them out. Shameless self-promotion, but um, sort of an analysis. I, yesterday, I looked at the outfield. Today, uh, this morning, I just filed one on the infield. Just some statistical things, stuff we've learned, questions for next season, um, stuff to chew on as we sort of unpack this season and transition into the offseason. But, you know, so uh, looking at some of this stuff, Andrew, and, and it wasn't pretty 
Um, G1 Bay defensively was not very good. Seven errors in 465 and a third innings at second base, tied for most on the team among anybody. Um, I, I, I want to believe there's something there. I do. Um, I don't know if I truly feel that way. Uh, Bay did not finish the season terribly strong. I think there's some signs in there. I mean, I love the speed, but I, I don't know where he fits. Leover Peguero at the same time, um, September 3rd, he was hitting 274 with the 784 OPS. I'll take those numbers all day long from Peggy. I, I like the defense over there. No errors in 33 games. Was very good. Then went in the tank. 185, 461 OPS over his last 22. Struck out a bunch, basically disappeared. So I want to believe I, there was a period there where I was like, okay, he's the opening day second baseman in 2024. That's great. Him and O'Neill Cruz, um, you know, but I, I just, I, do, I don't know. You know, Nick Gonzalez tore it up at AAA. If Nick Gonzalez comes back in spring training and is really good and earns that job, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised. I guess if G1 Bay figured it out and earned that job, I'm not sure I'd be the least bit surprised. But at this point, I shoot, Jared Triolo. I mean, I don't know if I want him every day at second base. I like bouncing him around. I think that's a valuable asset for the Pirates. But somebody's going to have to step up and take that second base job next year. I mean, I guess conceivably they could go out on the market and add. But, yeah, it's just a, it's a weird situation with them over there. I mean, they tried, they tried eight guys this year. Eight guys at second base, and they were still among the worst teams offensively at second base production. It's just, it's got to be better. I just don't know who it's going to be. I can't believe Mark Mathias wasn't the answer. That's right. <laughs> I, I was convinced. Now. Is he in the playoffs? Uh, he was in the Giants system for a little bit after okay. he went to Seattle and the Giants got him, and then he went down to AAA. So, no, no playoffs for Mr. Mathias. Okay. By the way, have we ever made the co the comparison that Mark Mathias looks like Mike DeFabo? Uh, I believe so, and it is uh, kind of terrifying. It's like face-to-face. -face. It's everything, man. <laughs> Every time I look at Mathias's MLB.com player page, I think it's Mike DeFabo staring back at me. It's very strange. <laughs> Mike, Mark Mike DeFabo, former Penguins writer, now with The Athletic, and and, <laughs> and good friend of the show, of course. We, lo we love Mike, but... Uh, <laughs> So what, let, let's let's get to the bottom of this real quick because my man had a, a he had a journey yep. <laughs> this season. Please. So started out with the Texas Rangers, right? Gets traded to the Pirates in March, um, up and down with the Pirates, up and down with the Pirates. Then gets DFA'd in June. The Mariners claim him July second. Um, guess doesn't go up down there. Ends up getting traded July 31st to the Giants. Goes up down there. Oh, boy. And then ends up on the 60-day injured list with the right shoulder strain. So, yeah, that's that's a season for you. Yeah, that trade was uh, one of Giants fans' love. Uh, A.J. Pollock and Mark Mathias instead of uh, Shohei Otani. I, I mean, I thought it was a good consolation prize. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, 
Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oh, yeah. Mark Mathias, Shohei Otani. I mean, that's like, what? It's only nine more difference. I mean, not even ten. Yeah, what are we talking about? But, yeah. Uh, but with second base, I, just to get back to that discussion real quick, um, which, Piguero, you mentioned a lot of the things that I'm, frankly, a little bit concerned about with his game is that what we saw in September is – all the talk with him at the beginning of the year when he was in the minors and a little bit of last year too was like how pitch selection needed to improve with him and was improving. Yeah. Um, I don't know about you, but speaking for myself, I worry about that. I don't know that it's at a place that's consistent for an everyday big leaguer. It's a guy who was struggling to get on base, you know, 30% of the time. This was a sub 300 OBP guy. So like that to me is where my fear goes. I know you can say about a lot of the guys in the lineup, but with him specifically, and I guess you can say it with Bay as well. Because I think Gonzalez does have probably the best approach of the three, at least in terms of how he handles at bats. Um, but with Pagaro, that's something that to me is just kind of a little concerning. It's just getting to the box, kind of swinging at a lot of stuff, a lot of chase, a lot of outside the zone. Those you are know things what? That that, does that really improve at the big league level? I don't know. That's the question. Yeah, but you know what? The thing I like about Pagaro over Gonzalez is he has done it at the big yeah. league level. He has done it. Nick, Nick has had great numbers at AAA. He had a great spring. By and large, have we seen that translate to the major leagues? Nope. Uh, that, and I, it was a short sample. It was a way too short sample. And that's one thing that I didn't quite understand what the Pirates did with Nick Gonzalez and Miguel Andujar in September. It almost felt like like they, they played their their kids or their, their like projects, the guys they're evaluating, the last day of the season. And like I think Sheltie was on the radio show saying that – they had to get another look at guys. No, you didn't. You could have had a look at them in August. You yep. didn't have to get a look in the final day of the regular season while fans are showing up for Fan Appreciation Day, hoping to see key Brian Hayes and Brian Reynolds. You didn't have to do that that day. Nope. You, they waited. They waited. And then we're, we're going into the offseason. I still feel like without a very good sample size on what Induhar is, on what Gonzalez is, I, I don't know. I I, and to be fair, like, I don't know if two more weeks would tell me either. Um, so I, I get that aspect of it. It's just, you know, sooner or later, I think Gonzalez has to get some of that AAA production to translate to the major leagues. I, I will understand and go with them that it doesn't always happen the first time. Anybody who, you know, wants to call me like a shill for the organization or something like that. I mean, just look at Jared Triolo, right? Like it wasn't great. He goes down, he fixes some things, comes back up, does really well. Um, look at Mitch Keller. For instance, you know, he had some really rough years and figures it out like it, development is not always linear. So, like, I, I understand. Um, but at the same time, you've got to put out a major league team next year that has more production at second base than you had this past year. So we're just looking at some of these candidates, man. And I it's 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 interesting, to say the least. I don't know who it ends up being. Not what about that. first base? If we shift it there, Ooh. you feel any better about that? Like where they're at, State of the Union of just like the depth there. Or how do you mean? Yeah. Um, who plays there? Who plays there? It, it, w- if you have to go internal improvement, right? Because I doubt they're going to sign Reese Hoskins. I doubt that that's going to be a you know they're just going to have some magic. Not that he would be a magic elixir either, but sure. you know you're you're going to have to. The theme of this show here is 
what internal improvements are available to the Pirates? What internal improvements are available to the Pirates at first base? Right now, it's Trillo's your guy, um, I think. And you move him around, he's probably getting three starts a week there, maybe four. Think, and then really? You could do that and then go Connor Joe a couple of starts a week. You know, I think that's wow. probably the that, I don't know how else I'd handle it if you're just going internally. I mean, Malcolm Nunez well, okay. show me enough. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Maybe I didn't preface that. Would you make an ad there or would oh, you yeah. try to stay internal? Yeah. Yeah, I'd definitely make an ad. At least supplement it. If it's that Santana type, if it's a veteran guy who's coming for a few mil, like it doesn't need to be a world yeah. beater. doesn't need to be a guy who's OPS in more than whatever, you know, 720, 730, guy who can be a part-time guy. But like you got to supplement it a little bit, but I don't know that it needs to be that everyday guy. I, yeah. You know, we've talked about it a bunch. Santana feels like a logical choice to just go back to him, right? I agree with you. After going through the infield sort of postscript, whatever you want to call it, I'm weakening a little bit. Mm. I am. I was looking up their offensive numbers with Santana and without Santana. Not only was there like not a discernible difference, they went the other direction. Yeah. They were better offensively without him. They were clearly better as a team over the final two and a half months. I mean, some of that included Santana, not much, but I mean, is it the worst thing in the world to turn things over to Connor Joe and Jared Triolo? I mean, I probably shouldn't say that because then if they do that, the Pirates are going to, or, you know, some fans going to be like, well, Mackie talked them into it or something. I, yeah, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. You just get blamed for stuff if you, like, you know, don't advocate for them to, to go out and get somebody, which I think I still would, but I've just, I feel less of a sense of urgency, Andrew, after seeing that. Like they had a, what was it? With Santana, they had a 735 OPS, which was 15th in, in the major leagues. Without Santana, they had a 776 OPS tied for 12th in the major leagues. And that playing time obviously got turned over to Connor Joe and Triolo primarily. I mean, I don't really see a need to have Alfonso Rebus on the team. That seems redundant. But if you're telling me it's Joe and Triolo, which do doesn't really make sense, two righty hitters, um, you know, it, it just maybe you play the hot bat maybe somebody goes out to the outfield i i don't i don't understand um and i like santana i i think he'd make a big difference in that clubhouse but you know i've already heard this pushback and it's a legitimate one it's like well they didn't really win that much when santana was here so like what's he what's he really solving what sort of fires is he putting out like, yeah i guess i get that but yeah. i don't know it's valid. I mean, it, the double right-handed bat thing is just – that's the only concerning element. To me, this yeah. would be – it should be so seamless if Connor Joe batted lefty, right? Like, <laughs> like, There's your off-season project. Forget yeah. the touching at first base. I should have written a column about Connor Joe needs to learn how to hit left-handed. Right. We fixed it. There, there's your answer. <laughs> um, but, like, I don't know. I mean, I guess you could go to it with a idea of, okay, you give Triolo – like, let's say you stay internal. You give Triolo three starts a week at first. Yeah, move him to third once a week for keys off day, and yep. you give him like another start at second or another start in the outfield. That gets yep. you five starts a week from Triolo, Triolo, and then Joe can stay in that kind of part time role of you give him the other three starts a week at first, and then yep. like gets a spot start in the outfield. It's not impossible, but it's no, just, you're just you're just not playing the the odds in terms of the numbers of like hey. What if it's a right-handed arm on there five out of six nights of the week? Like, well, you're going with a right-handed option at first base every night. Right. I was going to say, I mean, that's exactly what you're saying, but, like, I just wish one of them hit left-handed. Yep, that's it. That's the answer. If you had a lefty option at first base, you'd be fine. And I'm, I'm now racking my brain to think about, like, lefty options. 
If I mean, shoot, Malcolm Nunez is somebody I still think about, but I believe he hits right-handed. That is unless, correct. Unless I'm missing that he became a switch hitter somewhere. Um, I don't think I am, but let me let me just double check that. Now he bats solely right-handed. Um, you know, they just need it. You need a left-handed bat in that spot. I mean, Santana Aaron, would solve that. Yeah, I was gonna um, say Aaron Shackelford. There's your answer. Aaron Shackelford. There, there's an off-the-board pick. Ah. It's a very off-the-board pick. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I was thinking about some other guys too, like Trey Mancini's out there for first base if they would address it in a non-traditional way. But like, there's another righty bat, yep. and are we really improving anything? I don't, I don't know if we are. Who's the best available left-handed bat who plays first base? Do you know? Oh, that's a phenomenal question. Let's go on the Google machine. Yeah, I mean, Eric Cosmer would be an available option. Um, would probably come cheap because I believe he's still getting paid by was it the Padres? Yeah, I want to say he's one of the guys with with you know still somewhat under contract. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I still come back to Santana. I still come back to Santana because like you're going to have to pay something for Hosmer. You're going to have to pay something for Santana too. And I, I do think whether it was born out in a half season of OPS or whether it was born out in a half season of results, you and I were in that clubhouse. And I know this is the kind of thing that is hard to quantify, but I think there would be a lot of people very happy if it came out that the pirates were bringing back Carlos Santana. Um, one of them being the gigantic shortstop. And yeah. that might be the sole reason to do it. It just might, you know, and I, along with everybody else, sometimes forget how long and excruciating a baseball season can be. And in the middle of a bunch of crap, um, which obviously was not all of Car Carlos Santana's fault. He was one of the very important, steady figures with some semblance of perspective you know, you don't expect the guy just to like snap everybody around him out of a giant funk. But I think it's helpful to have guys like that in there. I do. And I've been in a lot of these clubhouses for the Pirates where they didn't have anything close. They had guys that haven't been through this before. And, you know, I, I don't think we can turn our backs on that element just, you know, because you say, oh, well, they were better without him than they were with him. Like, that doesn't mean he's not a good player. That doesn't mean he's not well-respected. It doesn't mean he doesn't have anything to add, pardon the double negative. Like I, I still come back to, I think it's just tough to find that improvement internally, and you'll have to look somewhere else to get it, even if it's as simple as talking like lefty, you know, lefty, righty, righty, lefty, that sort of deal. Yeah, it's supremely difficult to quantify, right, is what that kind of impact is. But, I mean, yeah, we saw it on a pretty regular basis for a good chunk of three, four months there. It's like dating back to spring training. You know, obviously he's not here anymore, but like Rodolfo Castro was another guy that Santana was pretty keen on, you know, taking kind of a mentoring role for, you know, obviously it's a moot point now, but like, yeah, I mean, that, that stuff had value. You know, if I'm comparing Carlos Santana, this is by no fault of these guys, but like, let's say we go into the, the off season and I just pulled up a couple of names here for first baseman. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of run through them rapid fire to you of left-handed batting, first baseman who could be available, who could be of interest. Like if it's him, if it's Santana versus Joey Gallo, who am yeah. I choosing? I'm probably going Santana. Where are you? Oh, at? Same, same, same. hundred times over. Okay. Santana versus Brandon Belt. Depends on the number, but probably Santana. 
Robbie Santana felt commanded like 10 mil this year, despite, you know, coming off a down season. Um, I mean, the offense is there, but there's no defense. Nope, not anymore. Um, Matt Carpenter, if you wanted to Whoa. make him, right? Whoa. Like These are the left-handed options, unless Max Muncy, for whatever reason, opts out of his player deal. Um, could be an which, option. He could be. 16 million for the player option. I got to believe he probably takes that, or if not, he'll probably command something more than that. But if he knows he has an opportunity to play for the Pirates, maybe that changes things. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm jumping I all over. I get in early on that one. Yeah. That, I mean, who I mean, needs if they also? add Max Muncy and Otani this offseason, I, I like I mean, the chances. Are they not? I thought that was set in stone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We can dream, right? We can dream. We can dream, and the Pirates can sign Josh Bell. There it is. It's settled. Watch, the Pirates will end up signing an Otani. There's like a Yusei Otani or something out there. It's like in Major League, you know, sign Tanaka. Like, not those Giants. No. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. So what, uh, let, let's, we've talked a lot about the infield. What about the outfield? I mean, as you look at, like, you know, the dials or mechanisms or avenues or whatever, whatever cliche you want to use for, for internal improvement, where do you go? What can get better? Um, I think it probably starts with the guys who are on the major league roster. And that's, I say that just because I don't look at AAA and say there's an abundance of options there. Right. I don't look, I don't look there and say, this is the answer. I probably don't feel that way about double A either. I mean, I like, like, I like Matt Gorski. I like his game. I like that he's an athletic guy who can play center, who hits for power. I've had a lot of doubts if that translates to the big league level. So yeah. I, my attention goes to the guys in the bigs. And I don't know. This is where my mind goes. I feel like Josh Palacios is a big part of this. He's a guy who showed the potential at the plate that he can hit for power, that he can come through in clutch situations, which I know you know those are factors outside of control of like how do you quantify clutch. But um, but I say all that to say that this is a guy that never really had an extended run in the big leagues, and when he finally yeah. got one with the Pirates, showed that he's capable. He can be a, a you know a league average player. I feel like if you give a guy like that who, you know, is a hard worker, is an athletic guy who has an attention to detail, you give him more time in the bigs, he can only get better, right? So he's somebody that I look to for an internal improvement. Um, The the last few weeks of Sawinski being able to hit left-handed hitting, the consistency from Brian Reynolds. um, And, of course, what do you see Henry Davis continuing to improve in right field if that's what ends up being the case? I know there's the talk about, him getting more time at catcher this offseason and that being the focus. But, like, come on, I'm focused on Henry, the right fielder. Yeah, I I worry about that, Andrew. Sorry, I, we might go on a, a detour here, but we might. I worry if that's the right move with Henry. I no. really do. Like, 
I'm, I'm just going to be a little crass here. He stinks at two positions, theoretically. Um, right. I don't think that's permanent. I think he can get really good. And I, I like Henry and I like his work ethic and his focus. And I think the world of him as a person. But like, if they're telling me his defense isn't good behind the plate, I've seen his defense in right field and it's not good. To me, the best thing you can do is, is pick one. Pick one or the other. Um, to me, the most linear path is right field. If I was running this, I would say, Henry, I need you to be the best right fielder you can possibly be. I think if he's not, like if he gets the spring training and feels decently confident in his outfield work, at least feels like it's passable, you can concentrate on the bat, you know, and, and just be a normal hitter, be a right fielder, be out there 145, 150 games a year, and just like commit, that's my right fielder. Andy's my catcher. Andy, I want you to get as good as you can behind the plate. Henry, get as good as you can in right field. I've also got Jason DeLay, who, oh, by the way, was not terrible and is perfectly fine in a backup catcher role. You know, I realized there was this idea that they could, you know, have two catchers and one goes out here and one goes out there and, and, and they're maximizing the roster and all this stuff. It really hasn't worked out that way. And now I want to look at this and say, how do I get the best out of what I have? And to me, again, internal improvement dial, it's to get Henry Davis better usable in right field. It's not to have him be the best catcher he can be. Andy Rodriguez, by and large, was fine catching. Um, but it requires you to sort of punt on that idea. So that's that's where my head goes. But I wanted to loop back to the Palacios thing, too, because I think you brought up a really good point um, with why can't guys get better? Joshua Palacios is a perfect example of that. Um you know, his first two years he played, I was looking this up as you were talking, I think 42 games, largely did nothing. Had two doubles, no triples, no homers, six RBIs. This year played 91 games, hit 239, 692 OPS. And you go, oh, yeah, whatever. It's not that big a deal. Ten home runs, 46 RBIs, a bunch of clutch moments. Man, if you look year over year, like that level of improvement, that's impressive. He's a zero maintenance guy, terrific personality, functions great off the bench, I, like, I don't want them to lose Palacios. I think it makes a lot of sense that what he can do for them and, and how he functions in big moments and his personality and being loose. And I want to see what that improvement looks like, you know, based on 2022 to 2023, how it looks 2023 to 2024. I just do. And I, you know, I think you need to at some point probably make some hard roster decisions with Palacios, with Connor Joe, with Miguel Andujar, and maybe they've made the one with Andujar. Uh, but I see internal improvement coming from Palacios. I really do. Yep. I mean, and you you hit on so many of the key points there with him. And it's well, like, by the by the way, by the way, three seventeen over his last twenty nine. Last twenty nine. I mean, that's yeah. not an insignificant sample size. Eight fifty one OPS. Like that is an improvement inside of a season. Go ahead. Sorry. No, like that matters. That was actually a point I was going to make. Tip of the cap on that one. Uh, the the surge he had down the stretch there, uh, yeah. Westminster College boy. But um. Hey, I'm getting ready for Saturday, brother. Yeah, we've been talking ready about for that. Saturday. I, I am. I need to talk about this. I'm making my return to uh, Titan Radio to call the football game on Saturday, and I, I've got like flashcards out to memorize numbers. I'm going through game notes and research, and you know, learning about the team and catching myself up. So I'm, I'm taking this gig seriously, and I'm so darn excited. You are required to listen to that one o'clock on Saturday, my friend. If Not you think it's, I'm, I mean, hundred percent. That is on the planner, which we have talked about. We've talked. <laughs> we have talked about the planner. Uh, 
but yeah. it's on, it's on the planner because I will be driving back from Buffalo after covering the preseason game tomorrow. Okay. So that that will be my afternoon drive. That's what we'll be listening in on. Okay. Good. Good. Um, but with Palacios, it's like, uh, yeah, I mean, the hitting stuff is such a big key improvement with him. Um, I look at also with defensively, right? Like that's something that was kind of bogging him down a little bit. Um, this is by no means anything against him, but just defensively was not a guy that you put out there and said this was an improvement over a Sawinski yeah. or over a Reynolds, right? Like this is a guy who struggled a little bit defensively as well at times. Um, you know, made a couple of nice catches, but maybe those looked a little harder than they really were because of the routes, whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, from talking with him at the end of the season at that last series against Miami, like he was like, yeah, uh, a big thing that me and the team are on the same page about. It's like got to be able to play all three outfield spots and get better at that. Like, mm. so for me, that's something I look at with Palacios is, you know, he's part of this. I think uh, I'm right there with you. I think he's a key part uh, portion of this. Got to get better defensively too. Like the hitting, the improvement there is significant. But if you're going to be a fourth outfielder, a guy who's coming off the bench, for sporadic playing time, um, I feel like it would probably benefit the Pirates' cause if that was somebody who was a plus defender versus a negative, right? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. Um, I completely agree with a lot of this idea, frankly, Andrew. I mean, I think it's important just to take this a, a, a different direction and then we'll wrap, mm -hmm. but um, it's important that stuff like this happens, whether it's Palacios, whether it's Pagara, whether it's Bay, whether it's Nick Gonzalez, Triolo, um, you know, th like this stuff is is cheap. You want to be able to save money here so you can spend it other places where you clearly need to in pitching. And we've spent a lot of time in past episodes talking about the need to add to the pitching staff and free agency. And that should be a big thing. And I completely agree with all of that. And I want to see them go heavy on pitching this year. I think they need it. Um, they need something to get them to midseason when they're going to get reinforcements. They need something, period, because they just don't have enough. But if there's avenues to get stuff on the cheap, what you already have internal improvement. And we've seen some of it. I also think there's a lot of a bit, a lot of it available for next year, whether it's Palacios, whether it's Davis. And so, yeah, it's going to, it's going to be interesting to see how much that comes out. I think that's a big factor in, you know, determining if they win more games next season. I mean, we could, we could keep going with this topic really like defensively, they were kind of middle of the middle of the pack. I think they can and should be better than they were um, for a variety of reasons, but yeah, I mean, there's it. It's just it's non-negotiable, right? It just has to happen if you're going to conduct themselves business, you know, like the way they the way they are business-wise. Um, some of it because of the economics of baseball, whatever. Um, you have to do it. Yeah, a lot that's non-negotiable, but I think something you and I are on the same page about, and I know we've talked about a bunch is that what's non-negotiable is probably building up the pitching depth. Um, yeah, a lot a lot of this stuff we're talking about the internal improvement. It's all really important, but first and foremost, I feel like. You know, just to kind of wrap up my thoughts about this conversation at large is that if there's money to be spent and it's got to be first base, if it's got to be somewhere else, if it's got to be at the pitching, priorities of starting pitching and let these natural developments that you're kind of banking on, let them transpire. But you got to build up the pitching depth a little bit. Yep, no doubt. We also have to listen to Westminster Titan football on Saturday afternoon. Absolutely, at one o'clock. Yes. Okay, I'm watching. Westminster in. Bethany homecoming. Let's go. We're we're so ready. Keep, keep, keep working the flashcards. You're going to Buffalo. Yeah. What's your one spot in Buffalo? Uh, I've never, I've only been to Buffalo one time and it was just yeah. in passing. So I, if you have a good wing spot, if I'm going to the anchor bar, is that too, too touristy? Like what's the play? Here? No, I mean, the anchor bar is good. Um, Duff's is, I, I'd probably send you to Duff's. Where are you staying? Uh, near the airport. 
near the airport. Okay. Yeah. There's, I think there's a Duff's pretty close to there. I know there's an anchor bar close. Um, there's a Duff's in Amherst that I usually go to check that out. Um, Bocce club pizza is tremendous. Buffalo, by the way, is one of my like sneaky. I, I love Buffalo. I, okay. I miss it from hockey. I, I could go there. I, I miss the heck out of that trip. Bocce club pizza. Joe Starkey used to work there. Duff's and Gabriel's gate. Um, is a wing place. Jim Rutherford always used to talk about Gabriel's Gate, and I never, I never went there, but I heard it's good. Man, I got all sorts of lists. This is this is great. I need this because the problem is. So, quick side story before we wrap up. I've only been to Buffalo one time, and it was because when I was interning here at the PG in the summer of '21, it was when the Blue Jays were playing their home games in Buffalo. Okay, and I and I made a point of going up there for a day trip just to catch one of the Blue Jays games. But I had to race back. It was like a day game on a Sunday. So the game was 1 o'clock, finished up at like 4. And I had to race back for some assignment at like 8 o'clock for the PG. I couldn't tell you, oh. off, the top, couldn't tell you off the top of my head what it was. All that I remembered was watching the Orioles smack the Blue Jays. But So I didn't even get to enjoy the city. So I'm looking forward to seeing it. Okay. Yeah. All, All right. right. Well, you enjoy yourself. And, uh, yeah, take us out of here. See everybody yeah. next week. Yeah, we'll catch you all next time. We'll uh, check in with you each next week and uh, keep following along with all our great content on post-gazette.com, on Pirates Baseball and all things Pittsburgh sports. And we will catch you all soon. Thank you for checking out this content from Post Gazette Sports. If you enjoyed the video, please like it and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check out our Apple Podcast channel for more podcast content. Click below for a special deal of 99 cents for a three-month subscription to the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. 